0: Nick Drawstuff, your friendly neighborhood studio man, bringing you the next episode of Duets from the Trenches, Musicians You Should Know. Today's show, an interview with Brett Thien, the leader of the Shout Section Big Band, and a couple of band members, Ted Holtz and Mike Kennedy, is going to be a little bit longer, so I'll keep my business in as short as possible. As always, this show is sponsored by Wed's Mouth thesis from Gabriola Island in British Columbia, Canada. What's the main key to progress as a trumpeter? Practice. Well, Wedge Mouthpieces with their unique rim design provide an amazing level of comfort and endurance that supports extended hard work in practice and on the job. Plus, if you go with an acrylic model, these are also quite affordable. Just visit WedgeMouthpiece.com for more info or call Dave Harrison at 877-679-3343. That's 877-MP-WEDGE. Get an edge with a wedge. Also, I am currently an endorsing artist of Getson trumpets and flugelhorns. I use Getsons on all of my gigs and all of my recording. Now on to today's show. Quite a few years ago now, Brett Dean and Dave Madday arranged for a joint trumpet lesson to get some coaching on CHOPs. Not long after that, Brett arranged for me to come out and work with his new evolving big band, the Shout Section Big Band. One thing led to another, and I was brought on board to play lead trumpet and do solo work with the band. I did that for quite a while. I've been working with them ever since. Due to some booking conflicts, my role is now as utility-slash-split lead trumpet with Dr. Mike Stewart handling most of the heavy lifting on lead trumpet. Since then, the Shout Section Big Band has evolved into one of the busiest big bands in the Chicago area, doing many gigs a month, concerts, dances, even private parties and weddings. This is a remarkable achievement given the sheer size of the band. That band recorded a new CD in a series of brutal recording sessions last summer. I split the lead duties with Mike Stewart and Josh Durham. The name of the CD is Swingin' on the Sand. And more information can be found out about it at www.shoutsection.com. I recently played a gig with the Shout Section Big Band at Fitz's Keys in Elmhurst, Illinois. I sat down with Brett before the show to chat with him about how the Shout Section Big Band has turned into one of the hottest big bands in the Chicago area. Before we hear from Brett, let's listen to their signature track, Count Basie's One O'Clock Jump. Adapted for the Shout Section Big Bang by trumpeter, arranger, John Dorhauer. I played lead trumpet on this track. There are a lot of soloists, so try to keep up. The keyboard soloist is Alex Strombus. The tenor sax soloist is Mike Kennedy. The first trombone solo is Ben McCoy. The jazz trumpet soloist is John Dorhauer. The baritone sax solo was played by Andrew Schindler. The guitar soloist is Mike Manacholi. The second trombone soloist is Andrew Thompson. And the screaming Heidel trumpet soloist at the end is yours truly, Nick Drazoff, played on an overdub. The track is somewhere between 7 and 8 minutes long, so sit back and enjoy it. We'll be back with you in just a minute. Now on to my conversation with Brett. All right, we're sitting here with Brett Dean, the leader of the Shout Section Big Band. I'm uh, going to do a little chat before the gig. And um, uh, Brett, you and I have known each other, how long has it been now? At least 10 years, right? I think
1: since 2007.
2: Wow. Yeah. And it's, you and Dave
0: they came over for right, right. Right. And um, uh, it's been an interesting odyssey to see what this band has into, we're talking about the shop six and big man yeah. of course and we just didn't see the want to what yeah
1: is. actually this is uh a year this uh this month it's been a year since uh we went into the studio to do that, that warm, uh yeah it's uh we went in middle of july last year and for a couple of days and we uh we worked worked through a bunch of tracks and then started the long process of uh post prod or post production mm-hmm. or whatever and uh Maybe yeah. that's what put
0: it in my head, yeah it wasn't quite a year. Oh, yeah. Because of nope. post-production takes so long. Yeah, together. yeah, absolutely. What's the name of the CD?
1: Uh, the name of the CD is Swinging on the Stand, and uh, that comes from one of the lyrics in uh, one of the tracks, uh, Baby Workout by Jackie Wilson. Uh, when we do uh, album titles, I like to pull... Um, some, sometimes I, 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 I've, I've left it up to... Uh, the, the population of the internet to help decide the title of the uh the cd like we did with cruising uh-huh. uh with this album and and things that i've heard a, a lot of artists like to do and and i really like this too is to uh not necessarily pull a track title uh but grab a, a lyric from one of the songs that okay. kind of captures the essence of esoteric right yeah dug in there yeah Great, cool Very interesting
0: Um, Now, where can we find this? Let's let's get the plug out. Oh, okay. All right.
1: (laughs) Might as well. Yeah. Uh, I think the easiest place to go to because you you get files that you can do anything with and they don't have DRM or anything attached to them is to go right to the shout section website. And uh, you, you click the download button, and then there's the usual, like, do you want to do it with PayPal or whatever? And then uh, then you get a file, an MP3, that you can put on uh, in Spotify or your Amazon or Google Players or iTunes um, or Apple Music or whatever. They'll call it in two months. <laughs> They're going to change it, right? Um, and, uh, of course, you can find it on the iTunes store and uh, Amazon and places like that. But, uh, yeah, I...
0: Okay. Yeah, you can get a hard copy too. Right? You can get a
1: hard copy, right? If you go to our website, uh, one of the one of the buttons that you click on will get you the digital copy instantly, and then it'll get you that physical copy uh, through the mail as soon as I can pop it in an envelope and send it out myself. It's
0: always the DIY thing for, for people in the, in the music business, stages, right? Especially with art and music. Um, okay, one of the things that really kind of has been sticking in my head when I, when I was considering launching uh, my first kind of ad hoc interviews with yeah. bands and things on gigs is the fact that when I first worked with these guys mm-hmm. shot section was just kind of something that was rehearsing over you know, Riverside in High School right. once in a while playing a straight concert now right? this thing has evolved into easily one of the top two or three busiest big bands in Chicago uh, yeah, nobody is really working anymore mm-hmm. this band playing everywhere what would you attribute that kind of growth
2: to
1: um well, gosh, I mean, just like as we started out and we said we've known each other since 2007, yeah. and, that's, and that's when we kind of kicked off this band. I mean, yeah. you've, you've been here since the beginning, yeah. kind of uh, yeah. since we had that, that first lesson over in the hangover at your house yeah. and then uh, just working together since then. Um, but, yeah, uh, to attribute uh, what we do now, it's evolved over time. It really has. It started with some people that I knew and people that they knew. And then, you know, people move on, and then new people come in, and then you you get recommended people, and then you hear somebody else play, and you you invite them in in and things like that. And it's kind of taken on a life of its own. Um, You know, I was... I was thinking about this, too, uh, the other day, because I popped in the CD because I had to... uh, I was cleaning out my car or something like that, and I found the copy of the CD, uh, popped it back in, and I enjoyed listening to it, and I was thinking, you know, waxing nostalgic on how this all come to happen, and, uh, you know... um, and also another thing that happened recently was uh, when we were at Fitzgerald's a couple of weeks ago, yeah. uh, a young, a young musician uh, that was a, a former student of one of the guys in the band came up and he said, "I'm starting a big band." He's like, "Do you have any advice, you know, on on how to do this?" And I said, um, "I said, you know, perseverance is is one thing. You know that uh, this is." Um, it, 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 it is you know I, I, I do understand like it is is sort of my second job and my second work but it, there's a there's a labor of love there um, but not one that I would trade away
2: yeah
1: um, uh, it's I mean it is hard work and I can get into some more of the things that sort of that I do to kind of keep it afloat and keep uh-huh. it going and growing. Um, but I, I mean, it comes uh, you know from the passion that I have for the music, and I think that all the other guys and gals in the band have for it you know without that um, you know I, who knows where who knows where it would be but um, you know I, I as a kid, while my friends were listening to Bon jo- my friends were listening to Bon Jovi and uh, Aerosmith, you know I was listening to you know I was exploring the tapes in uh, in my dad's car and his record collection and uh that was things like uh the beatles and frank sinatra and a record with uh you know uh the the joe bim sinatra album and and he had a lot of sinatra albums uh and he had a lot of big band records and and that's where i got my start listening extensively to all this stuff um when i was in high school i uh you're going to hear me bring him up a lot. My dad uh, was, at that time, the president of a community theater group. And so, you know, in my family, we had this spirit of of, of starting something that's, you know, we're passionate about. You know, my dad was very passionate about uh, live theater, and uh, I played in the pit orchestras when I was uh, uh, a kid. Um, and uh, one summer I said, you know, what about a musical review of of the forties and, you know, earlier the swing era music. Yeah. And he, and I said, you know, we'll have to, you know, expand, you know, the pit orchestras from what they had been, you know, to do a big band. And, um, we found enough people and it, that was sort of my first taste at, uh, putting together a big band. Um, I didn't lead it per se. Um, I was <laughs> maybe like behind the scenes leader. Um, but there was somebody else fronting it and, uh, you know, uh, that was my first taste at that. And then I went off to college and music education was my major. Um, And uh, then I I taught out out west in Galena and there's not... I mean, it's a beautiful area, but there's not too much no, going no, no. on in terms of anything, you know. Music. Right, right. And I even floated it to some of the the, the music teachers and things out there. It was like, hey, let's get this together. Let's do something. So that was always in my head. Uh, I then went to uh, Butler University after teaching a couple years there. Uh, I studied with Mark Buselli, who's uh, an awesome trumpet player and musician down in the Indianapolis area. And one of the things... Um, in a trumpet lesson, that he said that really stuck with me was, uh, he's like, it's like, man, he's like, you can be part of somebody else's scene or you can go start your own scene too. And I like that. I yeah, like that. and it, it's it's just those words have just stuck with me, and um, you know, it, it kind of kept my drive for this going. Um, to the point that when I got back and moved back into the Chicago area, you know, that was one of the first things I did. I got a I, I got the day job teaching, yeah. and then I went I went about it like couple months yeah. later i was like okay i'm kind of set you know i'm now i want to start that big band i want to okay. get that project off that's off cool. the ground yeah, yeah. and I, I you know i think like anybody like you just start with the people that you know yeah. you know yeah. i mean i i couldn't like cold call you know you yeah. know musicians yeah. i did. yeah right. Right. right um started with people i know and then it just kind of branched out i mean yeah that's a long answer to a oh, simple man. question but yeah
0: one of the things that's popped into my head, I'm just going to throw it out there, and yeah. um, I don't necessarily want you to reveal any trade secrets. Okay. Right now, but um, uh, okay, this is going to sound somewhat ageist, but you, know, yeah. you talk to some more seasoned individuals, and they, uh-huh. you know, when they're looking at their, you know, the big joke going on, you know, the old person with an iPhone, you know, uh-huh. you know, they, you know, they can't type on it, or whatever, <laughs> much less know how to use uh, social media or the internet. But one of the things that struck me is that I think it seems to me like you've really managed to use uh, technology to promote this band better than anybody I've seen. Mm-hmm. Can you shed some light on that? Well, not necessarily, again, giving away that Right. Thing. You're, you're kind of heavy. I think you're really ahead of the curve.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah, um, that was one of the things that popped into my head uh, early on, like way back in the beginning, like yeah. 2007, seven eight era, that kind of, when uh, Facebook and those kind of things were brand new. Um, and, I, you know, there, there weren't a lot of other big bands on there, to be, to be honest. And I think part of, um, part of me recognizing that that was something that we needed to do was because uh, when we were looking to fill out the band and look for musicians, you know, so one of the places that I got connected up with some people that knew other people that knew other people was on Facebook, and uh, uh, and and it wasn't such a scary thing as it is now. Maybe it was Craigslist. I, I, I found John Dorhauer on Craigslist. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I put out. I said. I said, is there is there anybody that writes charts out there and would maybe like to play some you know jazz trumpet or I don't know how I started that Craigslist ad, but it turned out to be John Dorhower Yeah. Craigslist um, and so it, it, looking around there, there weren't a lot of other big bands doing, doing much with the web um, I think um, you know I, I spotted a web page for, for John Burnett's orchestra they were yeah. one of the few that had one too uh-huh and and what they did is they had their calendar on there and I sort of do, started doing the same thing but then I also posted it to all the social media uh, because you know if people are showing you know the the cakes they pictures of the cakes they had for dinner you know yeah, or the spaghetti uh, meals that they made right. I'm like well I uh, let's put out there when the next gig is you yeah, know and yeah, it, it's yeah. you know
0: well you seem yeah. you're all over facebook right? yeah. I, I use facebook a mm-hmm. lot for my work too yeah i, I recently just started playing with Twitter. Yep. I'm still kind of eh, yeah. that I've only got, like, 20 followers, so I don't have to worry about just yet. Um, but do you use Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram? Yeah. Do you use any, is, is there anything else on
1: this? I, I, you know, I'm sure there is, and and we even used MySpace at the beginning, too. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah, that's right. I know, I know. We uh, we had to upload some sound files and things to uh, MySpace. MySpace
0: even still exists? It's
1: out there. It's it? it's something. I, I think it got <laughs> repurposed into something else. Yeah um they actually made tried to make it into uh like a music centric uh social platform for a while and i I think it flopped yeah yeah it flopped um but yeah it just I, i thought it needed to be out there everywhere now i'm not great at twitter i mean you know the the hashtagging and and all that stuff and and uh I don't know. Twitter seems like the more controversial. That's where you, you air your grievances with the world. So I don't know if I go there as much.
0: Yeah. See, I don't know.
1: They have different personalities, you know. I put some
0: things up the yeah. I gave there's something I'm doing. Yeah. I'm doing like my blog. I put my right. Blog on right. It. But not really. Don't really know what to do. But Instagram is. And, it, and
1: is Instagram is, is more photo based. So it's it's. Um, uh, you know you get you get a few less less of a, a place to describe the events that are going on, but nice places to put pictures and things like that and and I think people uh, you know in a world of quick sound bites and uh, you know get information out fast you know a pictures worth a thousand words I think it still is you know yeah, just yeah. upload an advertisement picture uh, with some minimal text on there that says where and when and I think you're you're good to go it's it's amazing too like I look at some of the Facebook analytics. And, and it's big numbers. I mean, yeah. just, just posting something that I don't pay any advertising for will get hundreds, you know, maybe even approaching thousands of hits, you uh-huh. know, for a video of Shout section that I upload. Yeah. Um, and it's also, um, uh, for any budding band leaders out there, you know, uh, like the young gentleman that talked to me last week, um, posting on, on some of the, the neighborhood and community website, or Facebook pages, too. Like, yeah. for this one, you know, uh, tonight... I, uh, I I posted the, the details and the information to the Elmhurst, what's happening in Elmhurst okay. uh, page. Because, yeah. um, you know, our, the shout section page has only got so much reach. My own personal page has only got so much reach. But between that and some of the communities around here, I posted the what's happening pages, yeah, yeah. and that gets the word out to however many subscribers follow those, too.
0: Oh, so sheer... Hard work. You put you yeah. You online and you pull all this stuff out. But yeah, so it's just sheer hard work, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I do appreciate the effort you're putting in. You've got the sounds like a good man has a pretty serious following now, and that's not something to get. Mm-hmm. I mean, really impressed with that. We had a conversation with mm-hmm. Melissa you and you right at uh, the uh, mm-hmm. barn dance, mm-hmm. and it was kind of funny because she she kind of oh well, she just jacked us in the ribs really good. <laughs> um, the um, uh, Diversity uh-huh. and big bands, jazz, Black American music. Yeah. Um, how does that play into your thinking of all of this? This is something that's been kind of it's has been eating at me for about five or six years.
1: It eats at me too. It really does. Yeah. Uh, representation in in this band and in big bands in general does eat at me um, constantly, especially in, in terms of. Uh, thinking about um, Are we respecting the music Of, of the black Americans Whose music yeah. that we're playing yeah. Are we appropriating it Are we stealing it Are we doing it justice You yeah. know, yeah. Um, how, how are we treating it um, My, as, as you know um, One of the, the first bands That I look to to model um, Teaching styles off of And, and just uh, playing great music That is engaging And smart and funny and danceable for the crowds that like our music i mean it's the music of the count basie orchestra yeah yeah and and the outstanding musicians that are part of that group um i i don't come to any great conclusions i i think i'm wholly unqualified you know as you know approaching or currently middle-aged white male you know um uh (laughs) in I, I <laughs> so, we'll denial in denial there. of being middle-aged <laughs> white male um yeah i um it does eat at me i wish i it, when i look at the band and i and i think about the great players that have come through and play through this band over time um and, and the friends that i've made and and the great uh you know um conversations that i've had uh with all the people in the band i don't know how how we've gotten to the point where the band has gotten unconsciously less diverse yeah, totally. over time i mean when we started the band i mean back in 2007 it was probably 50 percent women yeah I, you know I certainly remember that. um and 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 they were good players yeah. and they um um you know, a lot of them told me. You know, uh, they just moved on with their lives. They had other other things, and and it just it was just uh, there wasn't a conscious decision not to go one way it or the other. Sort of it, it just sort of happened. Yeah. And yeah. then one one day, you sort of like take a look back and you go, "Oh my gosh, yeah, you know, what did I do? You know, yeah. I, I should I have made a more conscious effort along the way." And and the answer is yes. Um, and, and just you know, a little kicking myself for for not. You know, seeing that through or seeing it before it it happened. You know,
0: yeah. well, I mean, I, you know, I feel I feel very much the same way, mm-hmm. um, and I think that you know, just just as a thought, mm-hmm. I think, you know, efforts can still be made. The band still has a fluidity to it. Mm-hmm. All bands have a fluidity, yeah, but, um, yeah, because of the just of the nature of what it is to survive in music, right? right. Particularly yeah. in Chicago, because, mm-hmm. yeah, people can't always make
2: a party, mm-hmm. um,
0: but um, and so you can you can take steps to try to do a diversity feel, if you will. Mm-hmm. One thing that I will put out there, and this is a sort of a thank you, mm-hmm. um, that uh, I've been particularly impressed with what you, and also John Dorhal, mm-hmm. um, have done about not being afraid to deal with, how should we put this delicately? Oh, farts. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, uh, I, in the last show I did, I am that was a great
1: them. interview, by oh. the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we
0: were laughing about the fact that, hey, remember when we were like the young guys in the big yeah. band and we were bugging all these old mm-hmm. ideas mm-hmm. and stuff. And now we turn around and, whoa, 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 whoa I'm the old guy mm-hmm. in big band. Yeah. And there's a, there is a propensity <clears throat> for bands to tend to hire among their friends, mm-hmm. uh, their peers from college mm-hmm. right? and everything. Totally acceptable. I makes that. I mm-hmm. get that. But, you know, I, I no longer job mm-hmm. because jobbing bands, you know, p- people hiring bands for their weddings don't want to hire mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of guys who look like you know, mm-hmm. a, a nursing home rolled up in the band that came off of it. And, um, the, um that, again, I get that. But I do appreciate the fact that you and John and there's a few other guys who mm-hmm. don't call guys like me and have no misgivings whatsoever about mixing a band with some red hair in with the, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the musicians, and, you know, so that's part of the, that. I do think that is part of diversity. And I think that is a, a piece of it. You
1: know? Yeah, um, I'll probably put my foot in my mouth here. Um, <laughs> I'm not calling. I'm not calling any bands out. I'm not calling any people out. But um, you know, now that uh, you know, I do see a lot of people advertising uh, what their bands are doing uh, online, and you kind of you kind of get a look at who's in the bands uh-huh. and things like that. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, when you, when you see a lack of of diversity among age and especially uh, to me, that's a turn off. Uh-huh. You know, um, I, I instantly not to say that I don't want to hear their music, but I I pay just a little less attention, uh-huh. you know, because I. Someone asked me once. They're like, "How do you, how do you pick the people that are in your band? You know, like how do you, how do you go about doing that?" Yeah. And I say, um, th- "There's two qualifications. They have to be good musicians and great people."
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: You know, that, that and
0: age is not part of that list.
1: That's it's it's not. It, it it doesn't factor into my consideration. Yeah. I think people are closing themselves off to a wealth of experience and knowledge and. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm no super jazzer or anything, Nick, but I, I know the history of, of the genre, yeah. and I know that, you know, a, a lot of this is communicated down throughout the ages by, yeah. by sound and experience and conversation, you know? Yeah. And when you yeah. don't have that amongst either, you know, um, different age populations or gender or race yeah. populations, then you're shutting yourself off to yeah. Yeah. a lot of good music and a lot of good, uh, you know, musical communication.
0: yeah. You know, one thing that I just saw was in, in having this conversation, mm-hmm. dealing with diversity and you know, ageism, mm-hmm. dealing dealing with that as a step number one. That, that perhaps an easier one because of the way things are, yeah. but it is a step. And I think a lot of times identifying the problem mm-hmm. is a huge, step or, or that there is one, is mm-hmm. a big step in the right direction towards addressing that. Yeah. And so again, this is one of the reasons I want to have this conversation with lots of. Um, musicians about what can we do, particularly with jazz, Mm -hmm. black American music. um, Cultural appropriation um, is not a good thing unless you're really paying respect to it. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not even sure that's the right way to say it, but hopefully that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, I'm going to break into the conversation with Brett here to insert another track from the CD. This is the tune called Taps Miller, and it features two of our guests on today's show. It features Ted Holtz, playing a solo on alto saxophone, and Mike Kennedy playing a solo on tenor saxophone. So we're going to hear from Ted and Mike on this soon. Then we're going to hear from Ted and Mike uh, in the conversation uh, about what it is to be in a big band, what it is to be a professional musician in the Chicago area, or anywhere for that matter, in the 21st century. now, let's hear from Ted Holtz. All right, we're still doing the, the pre-gig conversations here. I'm sitting there with Ted Holtz. Uh, you'll be playing, what, tenor or alto tonight? Alto Alto, tonight. alto. okay. Right. It, Ted's a, a multi, multi-instrumentalist, multi so I want to get that out there. Okay, um, a variety of conversations could occur here, but one of the things that you we were just sharing about is what's it like to survive in the music business, you know, in Chicago for that matter, anywhere. And particularly because you're a teacher, and you're teaching kids, these kids might want to might achieve and want to become professional musicians. So uh, what is your perspective and your take on what's like to survive as a professional musician in the 21st century?
3: Well, uh, just from talking with older musicians, I, I yeah. get the sense that it's it's more difficult these days, and in, in that... In order to do so, you you really need to be versatile um, and um, be able to play play a, a wide variety of styles and yeah. and um, and maybe even supplement with a lot of you know private teaching and, uh-huh. and, and arranging and, and whatever you can to to make a living. At, from what I gathered, you know, like. The amount of gigs have gone way down, you know, yeah. being replaced by DJs and, and yeah. electronic music. But, um, yeah, it just, uh, you know, I, I'm i kind of shy when it comes to hustling gigs myself. So, I just take them when they're offered to me. And uh-huh. uh, I, I have the luxury of teaching, you know, in a public school. So, yeah. you know, I don't make my living as a gigging musician. I um, gig, you know... Few times a month, you know, like you know, but uh, but it would be hard, you know, if if I really wanted to do that as a living, and and I I would enjoy that. It would, um, I I, I foresee it as being a real challenge, especially just with my personality, is not wanting to get out there and really uh-huh. hustle up gigs, you know, and yeah, yeah. and being really like uh, aggressive about that.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think that's. I wouldn't. Yeah, just My feelings, I wouldn't ascribe to the personalities. It's just a different way of thinking and working. You want to play. And playing and hustling are two utterly different things. Right. And so um, uh, you've, you've developed a way of working around that. Uh, it's comfortable for you. Now, uh, just, uh, just from my perspective, when I was coming up, and this is 30 years previous to year, your you're joining the fray, if you will, um, there were still plenty of guys teaching. Um, you know, I in, in private lessons and you know, it's funny, a lot of musicians at least from my generation will say oh yeah, I don't have a day job but then you press them, oh yeah, I have 60 or 100 private students sure. and I'm thinking mm, by any standard, that's a day job because if, if you're playing much during private lessons, you're not really teaching and, Certainly, uh, yeah. so it's um, uh, I think the whole idea of having a day job has been uh, for freelancers. You know. you know, If you're in a symphony orchestra, that's different. You know, if you're playing in a theater orchestra, that's a little different. But those things are kind of feeling far between now. Oh, well, um, for sure. You know, symphonies are in trouble. You know, they're the main symphonies that have gone on a the decades. Uh, others are struggling to make ends meet. It's crazy stuff going on. But um, uh, what age group are your students right now? Made? High school, junior high?
3: I teach middle school, so cool. fifth through eighth grade. Okay. All
0: right. yeah. So, you're maybe not quite getting to the point where they're ready to pursue the possibility of a career, but the seeds get planted. You have,
3: yes, yeah. and you have some that are thinking about it at that yeah. point. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. And what would, how would you say that um, the notion of technology is something that these younger students can bring to bear that perhaps a guy like me might not have had?
3: Well, there are, um, useful programs out there now that really aid in, in practicing and whatnot. Okay. I, there's a program that's been around for a while. Uh, I like it called Band in a Box. I don't know if you've heard of oh, Band in a Box. Band in a
0: Box so, is an amazing tool. Yeah,
3: yeah. And the sounds keep getting better and better. Yeah, yeah, Um, so, you know, using something like that or just, uh, having instant access to whatever charts you want to learn or, uh-huh. or, or, um not needing to go out and buy a record. You can just access, you know, like, you know, whatever recordings you want to listen to. There's really no excuse anymore for uh, students not to have access to the resources that they need to in order to be successful at whatever they're going to do, and uh, which is great. On the other hand, you know, like, when when I was a kid you know I still had to go out and buy CDs spent yeah. all my money doing that <laughs> and and went to the library and checked out you know whatever I could and, you know you had to work a lot harder to to get the things that you needed and, and I, I almost see, think that there's some value in that that yeah. you have to work harder in order to get the stuff that you want
2: yeah, you know okay. and
3: and uh and and the instant access to everything um makes you kind of take it for granted yeah. and you can almost maybe even become overwhelmed you know with like there's just right. so much access to everything and uh, or, you know like if, if you spend your your hard earned money on a CD um, and then you gotta wait for your next paycheck you know, then the chances are you're going to listen to that CD a bunch of times. Right, right. Whereas, like, you know, if you can just listen to it once on YouTube and then you scroll on to the next thing, maybe you're not really digesting it too much, you know, I don't know. So I think there's advantages and disadvantages to the the technology.
0: Interesting. Uh, Yeah, by the way, back when I was... Uh, a kid, CDs were called Long Play Records. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I still listen to, to those too. Violent, um, <laughs> sorry, I had to be a wise guy and drop that in there. Well, I um, listened to
3: records before the CDs came <laughs> yeah, out yeah. too. I got like
0: 2,000 <laughs> records, so I don't know what to do with that. Um,
3: <laughs> you can give them to me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hey,
0: um, uh, so this is kind of just jumped into my thinking Because since you are a teacher, and you're teaching kids at have really formative the stage, Talent versus um, hard work. What do you, do you see, or is your feeling as a teacher that there's such a such a thing as talent or gifted? That a kid can be gifted at this business of making music, or is it just that they work hard at it? I and mean, what is your feeling? I mean, there's some writing out there. You're in the trenches. What, what do you see?
3: Yeah, it's it's a really interesting topic. I, I've done a lot of thinking on it, and <clears throat> uh, one of the things that I, I've been interested in studying um, is the fact that uh, we, we draw many parallels between uh, language and music. Yeah, and and the, you know we have all these sayings about like language being or music being the universal language yeah. or like the language of jazz and whatnot. Yeah. So I've been really interested in in uh, looking at how language develops uh-huh. and how language is taught and learned, and seeing like what we can learn from that and apply it to learning and teaching improvisation
2: yeah
3: um, and and one of the things that i 've uh, found really interesting along the way as i 've been kind of researching this stuff yeah. is um, uh, how language um, develops in, in, in early childhood and um, the different theories behind that and, and I think When we find these musicians that we kind of like label as being gifted or uh, or or inherently talented, what I think is probably more likely the case is that they had really early exposure Uh to rich musical um, input when they were at this critical stage of language development.
2: Um, okay so
3: yeah. and uh, so they, they picked up on this musical language yeah. and and if they have an environment in which this is a constant thing where they, like, like parents that listen to good music or yeah. they're constantly hearing or they they're always hearing it in the context of like um, uh, family get-togethers or, or uh, emotional contexts yeah. where like they tie their emotions with the music that they're listening to and um, You know, it it perhaps sticks a little bit better, yeah. yeah. Um, And that mixed with maybe personality traits, where they're like um, more prone to want to be curious about um, certain things, or or um, or they maybe have a personality where they once they like hear something that they really like, they latch onto it and really want to dig into it. You know, I think I think the early exposure to music and how they are kind of uh introduced to it and has uh, how it's a part of their lives when their kids yeah. mix with personality traits um kind of predisposes them to being successful in music mm-hmm. um and and some of them will take that and run with it and and be like like super great musicians mm-hmm. whereas the others uh you know maybe they have this great start but don't do anything with it maybe yeah. like their personality isn't You know, one that, like, maybe they're just not interested in it. Yeah. And and they have this, uh, maybe, natural ability, but they don't really develop it. On the other hand, we have maybe, uh, I have students that didn't have that early exposure.
2: Yeah.
3: But work really hard. Yeah. And and they can be successful, too.
2: Yeah.
3: It's just not as easily, you know, and it takes hard work. So, the best situation is when you have that early exposure, like it during that critical period of language development yeah. their their parents um, are really um, supportive of their musical interests and um, they're surrounded by it all the time plus they have this personality that um, they're they're also hard workers hard worker. you know?
0: yeah. I really like the connection to language I'd be mean, honest with you I hadn't thought about that because there is that stage early in life where language just boom, 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 and right. music is a language yeah. thanks so much for doing this I really and now let's hear from Mike Kennedy, another experienced music educator. Uh, doing another pre-game interview here, pre-gig interview with Mike Kennedy. Uh, you'll be playing tenor or alto tonight? I will be playing alto sax tonight. Alto, ooh, the little one. All right, very cool. Um, you know, I had ch- I had a chance to talk with Ted Holtz and Brett Dean. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more, your thoughts here. One of the things that came out, with, particularly with Ted, uh, is um, you know, what's music education getting into these days when it comes to teaching kids about possibly surviving as a professional musician. I mean, my perspective is, you know, greatly different from yours or uh, even Brett's, you know, it's kind of in, in between us here. Um, and things have changed over the years, but I'm not so sure they've changed, uh, in, in substantively. So, uh, I guess let me start off with this. If you're teaching, what age, high school? I teach high school. Okay. And you're playing professionally as a musician in, in the evenings. That's kind of like a standard part of the way of life these days. Um, if you were advising some of your students who are considering going into the business, what would you be saying to them right now?
4: Sure. So I've actually had this conversation with a number of students in the past few years recently. Yeah. Um, and when I tell them if they want to go into jazz... What they need to do is they also need to either get some kind of business internship or find a way to take some kind of business class. Oh, Because as a musician, and you know this better than anyone, Nick, we are our own private business. So it's better if they understand um, that... They have to do other things to make money than just play their instrument. Yeah. But if they want to primarily make money from playing their instrument, they need to understand how their talents and skills um, are marketable and desirable to business owners that they're approaching to get hired. So they can understand... Uh, That, okay, um, you know, a bar wants to make money and that's really all they want. So if you go in and start out and say, hey, you know, I'll come in and play on your slow night of the week. And you start out and and you try and build a following. And if you eventually build up a following, you show that you can build that following and that you are somebody who is worth having a profit. Um, (coughs) Sorry if I was a little far from the mic. No, don't worry about it. (laughs) Um, So I tell them that. And I also tell them that, you know, the same lesson that hit me really hard my sophomore year of college. Uh, I was a jazz studies major and our, our big band director, Rob Parton, told us, uh, look, if, wow. your, if your dream is to only play uh, in the Vanguard Jazz Orchestra, you might as well go find a nice box and live on the side of the freeway now because that's all you'll be able to afford with your you know $20 a night in the Vanguard. <laughs> uh, so I took that to heart and I really tried to figure out how I can um, maximize my profits as a musician, yeah. um, but I also keep in mind too that playing music is something that I truly enjoy. So that's why I found my way into teaching. So that way I could do something, you know, uh, as a day job that will allow me to play whatever gig I want and not worry about how much money I'm gonna make. Okay. Um, so, so that's one. Thing I take from it uh, I also tell my students that they need to really understand social media and that the okay. people who are being the most successful now as musicians have mastered social media okay. using Instagram using Facebook um, whatever they need to in order to reach young people uh, young people currently live on social media yeah. And if you can uh, Create a persona on social media That young people find interesting And want to follow They will find their way To spending their dollars to support you And be interested in what you're
0: doing musically Okay uh, Really interesting to hear you bring that up Because I, I perceive that the uh, Younger musicians Are all over the place on social media I'm trying to use it myself, but I'm something of an oddity for my generation to be even addressing that. Um, Using things like YouTube, do you you have something that the kids should be thinking about there? Uh, Is YouTube uh, still a thing, or has that become kind of overwhelmed these days?
4: Um, YouTube is a thing, um, but... (sighs) When I So I teach a music appreciation class At the okay. high school and, and part of that is We listen to music every day And we talk yeah. about what we're listening And I ask the students how they found it And a lot of times the answer is Well, I listened to one song And then I just let YouTube autoplay And I, I got to this song eventually
2: yeah. uh-huh.
4: But more often than not uh, The answer comes up Well, I heard about this person through Instagram Or Facebook or Spotify yeah. Yeah. Um, So YouTube is a platform um, but I don't think it's the first and foremost platform anymore. Okay. I think you, if you have a YouTube presence, you have a channel and then you uh, will link to your channel through your other social media platforms and then people will use that to follow from, say, if you click on a link on Facebook or if you tweet, you know, tweet out a link or something like that, people will use that and follow that and and eventually find your YouTube page and follow you that way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, um, I'm finding that, you know, one of the things that has disappeared from uh, music as a profession, well, I should say all but disappeared, is what used to be called jobbing. Uh, You know, I used to go out and play uh, a couple of our misses on, on Saturday, literally two, and then maybe a wedding in the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, uh, you know, same sort of thing on Sunday, trade shows during the week, all that's gone. Um, what has replaced that, or has anything replaced that in your, from your point of view as someone who's a professional player but also teaching kids Uh, about what they might have to be looking for? You
4: know, from my point of view, uh, I'm not really sure anything has replaced that. Uh You know, when I was first getting into the scene and coming up, I was told, oh yeah, you're going to do all this jobbing and train yourself to do jobbing. And, and, you know, I didn't, I wasn't really able to break into it when I was an undergrad, and then I left Chicago to do my graduate degree and get my music ed certification. And when I came back, um, you know, I entertained the idea of trying to break into it, but I didn't really Know how or have the right connections at the yeah. time, and then I got my teaching job, and then you know it just kind of fell into I needed to focus on my teaching. Yeah. Um, what I, I think I've seen is there's, there's more smaller wedding bands that have popped up, okay. um, but they're like dedicated wedding bands, and it doesn't seem to be as much. You know, jobbing contractors. As some stories you've told me, Nick.
5: Okay. Um, yeah.
4: I don't. I don't see that happening anymore. Right. I. I see it as more as there's a dedicated band with maybe one or two, you know, people deep on a sub list, and they'll rotate through those as they need. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, there's also another group I've heard of um, called the Blue Water Kings. Okay. That have organized through the use of an app, and basically, like you, you get, you know in the group by being recommended and they'll put stuff out through this app and say hey we, we need you on this gig and they'll send out a list of like 150 songs and, and you're responsible for figuring all those horn parts out if you play it yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just kind of this like giant roster of rotating people that are on these gigs Interesting. Um, a few of my friends, a few of the guys that play a shout section work with that group sometimes yeah, yeah. Um, you know but other than that I, I don't think anything's really replaced jobbing, I don't I don't hear stories about people playing uh, trade shows anymore, or yeah. going to play, you know, two bar mitzvahs on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon or anything <laughs> like, like that. that. You know, uh, so as far as I know, I think that's it's just awesome. kind of what it's become. Yeah, or yeah. you know, or you're you're fronting a small group playing at a, a hole in the wall somewhere well, in Chicago or a sandwich shop or a coffee yeah, shop just yeah. so you can pr- promote your music. Yeah, yeah.
0: So. If I'm uh, taking my takeaway from a lot of this so far is that if you want to be a, say, a freelance musician, as opposed to a symphony player, or I'm not even sure theater players could call themselves steady work because they'll go for like six months and then it's gone for a year or two. Um, That if you're going to be a freelancer, embracing the notion of having a day job, teaching or something like that. I no, think so. There's no shame in that.
4: I don't think so. You know, and I know there are a lot of fine players who have found their home uh, as being private teachers and, yeah. and, you know, kind of trying to get on, um, quote, unquote, staff at certain high schools or yeah. schools yeah. as, like, the saxophone teacher or the yeah. trumpet yeah. teacher. Um, you know, but more and more people that I talk to, either they have done that or they've gone through undergrad and master's and gotten all that their degrees in, like, jazz studies. Yeah. And then they'll talk to me and say, oh, now I want to go get my, my music ed certification. And they'll yeah. start asking me about what does that entail, and, and I'll yeah. kind of yeah. tell them how I did that with my graduate degree. And um, it, it seems more and more that even players who are 10 years my senior,
2: uh-huh.
4: um, and I'm, I'm 30 years old, yeah. um, guys who are 10 years older than me who've been around... And doing it are now starting to try and find their way to get a music ed certification because they want to have a steady day job. Yeah,
0: yeah. A lot to be said for that, I got to tell you. Um, Mike, any final thoughts? Anything that pops into your head that you want to share with our listeners about? Music, big bands, jazz, whatever. Anything popping in your head at this point? Boy, you know, uh, just
4: try and get out and see a big band every once in a while. You don't have to go, you know, every week. You don't have to go even once a month. Maybe go once every other month because... Uh, there, there's really no other experience like seeing a true big band. And being able to talk to young people and get them excited about going to see it themselves, I think, would be really important to help us uh, pass on this tradition and this music to the next generation. Really
0: cool. Mike Kennedy,
4: thank you so much. Thank you, Nick. All
0: right, dude. Well, thanks again to Mike Kennedy and Ted Holtz for contributing to the conversation. There's a couple of things I want to add here. Uh, the track. Taps Miller featured a couple other people. Ben McCoy was the trombone soloist and John Rarick was the trumpet soloist. I also played lead trumpet on that track as well. Before we uh, check back with Brett Dean, let's listen to one more tune and this is a vocal piece featuring Amy Yassinger and this is all about the bass.
5: I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no treble I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no treble I'm all about that bass, about that bass Yeah, it's pretty clear, I ain't no size two, But I can shake it, shake it, like I'm supposed to do Cause I got that boom, boom that all the boys taste All the right junk and all the right blazes. I've seen the magazines, working that Photoshop, you know that that ain't real, come on, I'll make it stop. if you got beauty, beauty, just raise it up, cause every is perfect from the bottom to the top. I'm all about the bass, about the bass, no trouble. I'm all about the bass, about the bass, no trouble. I'm all about the bass, about the bass. I'm bringing money back. Go ahead and tell the skinny ladies that. No, I'm just playing a All
0: right, let's check back with Brett Dean and let him finish out our discussion.
1: I've, I've got a couple questions for you as a teacher. Okay. And, and these are things I talk to uh, my music teaching colleagues. Um, I've taught... Middle school band and jazz band and uh, a concert band for uh, thirteen years and now i 've taught uh, a, an additional year of high school because I was doing that a little bit last year I'm gonna be doing it this year uh-huh. um, and i I talked to the other colleagues uh, are you know uh, are we doing as teachers are we are we bringing the right values and the right um, uh, techniques and things like that um, to our students, to to make them viable in in the music world. I okay. mean,
0: that you know was be professional for Yeah. Okay. It's an interesting challenge. Yeah. Um, uh, Again, yeah, as, as a senior citizen who's been through a lot, um, I would have to say that things are probably different, and yet they are. Um, I remember when I first started playing professionally. Um, uh, or I can probably say his name, great piano player, teacher, and band director at uh, Triton College, Bro mm-hmm. Uh A few of the more seasoned listeners will know that name. Mm-hmm. And Burl and I were doing some uh, uh, hit and run road kicks together with the Dick Rest Band. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember telling him that I was going to quit my day job and get into music for mm-hmm. the time. And he said, here's, a th- here's my suggestion for you, Nick. And he says, take your trumpet, put it in its case, go out into the driveway. Put it in the driveway and then get in your car and drive over it as many times as you can. And it's said, the next, particularly the next time you think about doing that. Uh, in other words, he was discouraging me in no uncertain terms from f- pursuing a career in music. Uh-huh. Now this was back in the 70s mm-hmm. you know, and when, when I left the road I was playing jingles, I was playing trade shows. Mm-hmm. I was doing upwards of 300 gigs a year. Mm-hmm. I was actually making a decent living mm-hmm. as a freelance musician which was my dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it all vaporized mm-hmm. so during uh, the late 80s, early 90s. It just vanished. Mm-hmm. And technology, yeah. union missteps, what, what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it went down to like a hundred gigs a year. Um, I tried being a jobbing band leader. That didn't work uh, Work out for me it worked, but I hated it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Being, you know, leading a jazz band is not the same as leading a jobbing band. Right. And yep. um, you have to be willing to put up with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I. Decided to go around getting a day job. Mm -hmm. It was my choice. Not everybody from my generation Mm who were going through the same thing that I did did that. Others chose to move say over to Indiana where the cost of living was a little lower Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, continue to work freelance. Um, Now nowadays things are totally. There's no jobbing left. Mm -hmm. I mean, if if, a bride and groom are getting ready to get married, they're young. They don't have much money. Yeah, Um, see. I'll pay seven, eight thousand, ten thousand dollars for a band. Or I'll pay a few hundred bucks for a PA system, and have my, all my friends bring an iPod mixer.
1: Yeah, they, yeah.
0: You know, that's you can't fight that. But there are people doing it. My son plays with a couple mm-hmm. of bands that play weddings. They don't do it like the old band leaders did. The old band leaders would. Uh, there was a leader contractor charged five, six hundred dollars. Man paid out two fifty. -hmm. And all the extra money went in his pocket as part of his overhead paying for the sound, the equipment, and all the hassles they have. Whatever. Nowadays, it's far more of the community thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The um, uh, band, there is no band leader. There's maybe a designated uh, coordinator.
2: Can see that the
0: bands all they all roll up at the same time. They they share all the do, and everybody makes exactly the same money. That's keeping it alive. Um, And. I... I see an awful lot of the same sort of grassroots use of technology and, mm-hmm. and social media with um, bands ranging from, same minor Moon or Spock. There's a couple of bands myself uh-huh. plays and, yeah. and they're out there beating a the brush using electronics. Mm-hmm. And I, I really see that there is a way, there will be music to survive. Mm-hmm. It is tough times, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. But I think as a teacher, what you're doing is keeping the history alive mm-hmm. and the music alive and allowing the students to see it. But I think somebody who is dialed in on much of the technology mm-hmm. and the kids, mm-hmm. if, you think, if you think you're dialed in, you know, they're they ridiculous. They are. Oh, yeah. Um, as long as they see, wait, there is something I can do with this, mm-hmm. they'll go... They'll. They will carry the torch. Does that make sense? All
1: that blather. It does. It does. Um, specifically, two things came to mind uh, too. That I, I, again, I had talked to colleagues about. It seems like we're not creating. There's two positions like in a jazz band like huh. this, so, like a 18 piece uh, huh. big band. I don't see kids wanting to be the lead trumpet. I get a lot of kids in jazz band that want to be the solo chair and take <laughs> that spotlight. <Chris> Mark. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see as many want to be the lead trumpet and yeah. have that responsibility. I mean, we teach them about the things that go with each chair, you know, and, and the, what you're supposed to do in yeah. that responsibility. I don't see a lot of uh, students wanting to be a big band drummer. They want to be a combo drummer, and yeah. I think those are vastly different things, too. Yeah. I don't know if you notice that, like playing around and...
0: Uh... Yeah, a couple <clears throat> of things I've picked up on. The art mm-hmm. of being a lead trumpet player, mm-hmm. as a elite trumpet mm-hmm. player, particularly a high-note lead trumpet player, because not everybody... I mean, Frank, uh, was it, was it uh, Al Pacino, uh-huh. a great lead trumpet player from back in the day, was not a screaming note player. Mm-hmm. Johnny Howell was not a screaming note player. Johnny Howell <coughs> played on Kenton's band when Maynard yeah. Ferguson was yeah. If so he a screaming Heino, so they'd wake Maynard up yeah. and give him a Yeah. He'd, he'd fling some out right, there, and then right. he'd go back in the, back mm-hmm. in the hiding. Um, Johnny just did all that mm-hmm. lead playing. Um, and, but I still see that as almost a slightly... Jeopardize art form. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. Not as many people would go for that in college as want to be great soloists. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and when I talk about soloists, these are—you know—they're all leaning towards. Uh, I want to say Chet Baker, but mm-hmm. it is—it's is addressing that a little yeah. more. Much more. Um, uh, very mellow, foggy, dark sounds. Yeah. And the drumming thing—it's another thing. Um, uh, I would say that I'm more. Running into guys who want to be like you know real powerhouse rockers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, uh, and not so much want to play in big dance. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's important to keep that as part of the training for your students because mm-hmm. it is part of the history. Yeah, It's not going to go away. Uh, wow. I do think it's just going to evolve. Yeah. Um, and I think that evolution is. Part of what makes music really good. I was just in Iceland with my family. Mm-hmm. There's a big band in Reykjavik. I couldn't catch them live, but I found them online. Mm-hmm. And they have a CD, the Reykjavik Big Band, if you can imagine that. Yeah. And they have, it's, a, it's a fascinating CD. It's just wonderful. Yeah. Uh, this, you know, the works of Steve Wiest are uh, just uh-huh. amazing. Yeah. And so, um, uh, big band music, I think, is becoming more artsy. Uh-huh. But I do think that uh, embracing that helps give you the ability to do some of those other things. Yeah,
1: I, 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 to go back to an earlier question that you had for me, you know, uh, what, quarter, what kind of contributes to the longevity of this group? I think guys like John Dorhauer yeah. and Josh Jern and yeah. Brian Stark uh-huh. that are making new arrangements, yeah. and we don't always go the full arty way. Although sometimes I like, I, I, I certainly appreciate that and wish we could do that more. Um, but they they take a, a middle ground approach to making it danceable, yeah. you know, for the audience that really likes our group, um, dancers. And um, who about the
0: charts that we're doing on, on Champions? We are the champions.
1: Uh, Brian Stark. Okay.
0: Okay. to me that's already yeah. You take a tune like a Queen tune like yeah. that and turn it into right like a Frank Foster sound yeah ballad yeah is really creative. It is. It, it is. I love that. Yeah. Anyway, um, so. Um, is there anything else on your mind that's eating the that tube? Do we cover everything? I think so. I think yeah,
1: absolutely. I'll oh. think of twenty things later, but no, yeah. you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah.
0: the way that is. Anyway, Brent, thanks so much for sitting down with me. Thanks, weekend. Nick. Thanks for having me. got to get set up, so yeah, uh, we'll sign off with you. If you want, if you think something later, well, i the rest of the guys. Okay, uh, come in there. And say, hey, wait, wait. You know, just I'll pop in and
1: yeah, be the voice of God from behind or something. <laughs> All, All right.
0: right Brent. Thanks, thanks, Brent. Nick. It's thanks great. so much. Bye. Well, I want to thank Brett Dean, the leader of the Shout Section Big Band, for having this wonderful conversation with me about big band music and how the Shout Section Big Band has really evolved into a, uh, a stellar group in the Chicago area. I want to thank Ted Holtz and Mike Kennedy, both two fine music educators as well as brilliant jazz musicians uh, who are also uh, contributing to the world of music around Chicago and for their wonderful ideas about what it's like to survive and learn and continue making music uh, in, again, the Chicago area in the 21st century. Um, once again, if you want to pick up this new CD, Swinging in the Sand, just go to www.shoutsection.com and you'll be able to find any number of uh, digital downloads as well as wherewithal to pick up a hard copy CD. So, folks, thanks again for listening uh, to this episode of Duets from the Trenches, Musicians You Should Know. This is Nick off your friendly neighborhood studio man, signing off and saying, don't stop the music. Peace.